Thanks, Derek. Man, it's always great to um, be able to add to the different songs in which we're able to um, praise God with and the songs in which we're able to encourage each other with. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate all of you guys being here today. Hey, it is almost Thanksgiving. Can I get a woohoo? It's almost Thanksgiving. Time to get your Thanksgiving pants on. Time to get ready. Uh, this, is a, uh, this is a great week. We uh, wish everyone uh, safe travels. If you're going to be uh, moving around uh, the country, be safe as you're going around. Uh, if you have been, uh, or if you're here today because of Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving brought you in, and we're so glad that you're here with us and uh, going to enjoy this time uh, together. As has already been mentioned, when we finish up in here, there's going to be some classes that'll be going on around our campus. We encourage you uh, to go and be a part of those. And if you have um, middle school and teenage majors middle school and high school. Uh, some of ours are off on a fall retreat, and so they'll be getting back around 1130. There is going to be a class for all of those kiddos. Uh, that's going to be uh, in the teen room, which is on the track there in our Family Life Center. And so if you are a middle schooler, high schooler here, unable to go to the fall retreat uh, this weekend, uh, there's going to be a place for you guys to hang out and uh, enjoy time together and also dig into God's Word a little bit deeper. And so we encourage you to be a part of that. Hey, last week I told everybody that was here that I'm really not a big fan of rain, right? Told you I didn't like rain because when I was growing up, uh, rain meant canceled ball games and oftentimes it meant tornadoes, at least in my mind. That's what I thought was going to happen. And, and rain meant trying to get into the car with an umbrella and, and keep from getting uh, just soaked, right? Um, and then what did it do all week? Yeah, it rained. Uh, don't tell me that God doesn't have a sense of humor, all right? He does. He has a sense of humor and, and now, but it gave all of us this great opportunity to go singing in the rain, right? I mean, how many of you, just be honest about it for a minute, think about it. How many of you, when it was raining and you were walking around and you had that umbrella up and, and, and you, were, you were hurrying to the car and you were trying to get in and all of a sudden you thought, you know what? Why am I trying to run from the rain? Because I heard this great lesson from this awesome preacher last week who said, you know what? We need to put our umbrellas away and we need to get soaked in God's blessing in the rain. And so you just took the umbrella and you said, hey, I'm going to give this to somebody else. And so you just threw it aside and then you just walked around and you were like, woo, it's raining. Yeah, how many of you did that? Nobody. Great. Thanks. Um, that's why we're going to talk about rain again this week, okay? We're going to talk about it one more time to try to make sure that you get the, that you get the point. There's this great passage in Scripture, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, Jesus says that, talking of God, he says that he makes it sunshine on the righteous and the unrighteous. He makes the rain fall on the just and the unjust. He says it doesn't matter who you are. Everybody gets sunshine. Everybody gets rain. Now understand something. Jesus doesn't give us this so that so that we can have a theology of why bad things happen to good people. Now, I know sometimes that's how we've used this passage in the past. Uh, if somebody loses a job or they get a bad health diagnosis, something goes wrong in the family. And maybe you've heard someone say, meaning very well, they say, well, you know, we really shouldn't be surprised because after all, Jesus said that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. But in our rush to try to make sense of, of just bad things and circumstances that we don't understand, we actually ran right past the actual meaning in this passage. Here in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is not talking about why bad things happen to good people. He's trying to answer the question of how we should treat others who are not like us, 
or people that we disagree with, or specifically, he says, how we should treat our enemies. And his answer is that we should treat everyone around us in a way that is good because he says, well, that's what God does. He said, God makes his sun rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. In our world, rain postpones ball games. It makes driving hazardous. It scares brides to death when they start planning weddings two years in advance. And it's always going to be outside. And you don't know how many times I've been asked by people, hey, would you pray for my wedding? And it has nothing to do for the husband and wife. It has everything to do from the skies above. We were afraid of the rain, but in Jesus' world, a world that had extremely limited rainfall, rain equaled blessings. It did. A blessing that came, Jesus says, no matter the relationship the person had with God. Good or bad, according to Jesus, everybody would get wet. He's saying, look, everybody gets blessed by God. Now, I want you to think about that just for a second. Think about the fact that everybody gets blessed by God, whether they acknowledge God or not. No matter what a person thinks or doesn't think about God, they enjoy the blessings of God. So that's why on Thursday, Christian and non-Christian alike will put on their Thanksgiving pants and will sit down and will rejoice and talk about the blessings and talk about something that is good. Maybe at your home you'll sit there and, and you'll go around the table and everybody has to say something that they're thankful for. We have all these different traditions that go on at this time. You know why we get to do that? It's because God doesn't play favorites. And everyone has something to be thankful for. Each and every one of us reap the goodness of God. But we asked last week and we said, you know what? Could it be? Could it be that God wishes that we would say thank you for blessings that are specific to our relationship with him? You see, as Jesus people, we have received a special soaking because we have been showered with grace. You understand that, right? That as a believer in Jesus Christ, as someone who you have gone to and say, you know what, I'm going to trust you with my life. I'm going to trust you with my past, present, and future. I'm going to trust you for my salvation. As Jesus people, we have been showered with grace. And that means that we have something to be thankful for that not everyone does. You see, God's rain falls on everybody. His blessings are poured out. And so anybody can sit around the table this Thursday and talk about jobs and family and, and health and, and all these different things, the cowboys. I mean, you know, whatever it is you want to talk about that, wants to, that brings you joy. And yet, if you're a child of God, then you have something even greater to talk about. You see, last week I shared with you how that there is a peace that only comes from centering my faith on Jesus. You see, there are blessings that are only experienced by followers of Jesus. And, and one of those is peace. And we said that we can have peace with God because we are no longer considered enemies of God. And we said that we can have peace with those who are not like us because we realize, you know what? Hey, everybody's weird. Everybody's weird. The people sitting next to you, they're weird. Your husband or wife... They're weird. Now, kids, you already knew your parents were weird, but your parents think you're weird too. We're all weird. We all have our idiosyncrasies and our differences, but we can have peace with those who are not like us because guess what? God loves weird people. Woo! Isn't that great to know? Man, God loves weird people. 
because he loves you. And you. And even you people in the back. God loves you too. He does. And he loves the people you work with and the people that you go to school with. And, and, he, and he, he loves your aunts and uncles that are going to come to Thanksgiving and bring that awful green bean casserole. He loves them. And so we can be at peace with them. Even if people don't vote like us or talk like us or come from where we come from, worship the way we worship, we can still be at peace with others because God loves us all. And we also said last week, you know what? I can be at peace with myself because I don't have to worry about all these filters. I don't have to worry about trying to look good to the world around me because I realize that I am loved by God. And because I am loved by God, because I have been showered with God's grace, then I can have peace with God. And guys, that's something to be thankful for. But hey, the showers of God don't just distribute peace. But it also distributes joy. You see, because I have been showered by grace, I am filled with joy. And you guys already know, I'm a woohooer, right? We've talked about that, Right? I like, I like to woohoo, and, and sometimes it's gotten me in trouble. A few years ago, I was at an indoor soccer game supporting some of our young ladies that were um, participating on that particular afternoon. And so I'm sitting there with the other moms and dads. And, and now remember, I, I'm not necessarily a soccer guy. I, I don't know all of the ins and outs, Marco, of what you're supposed to do at soccer games and, and how you're supposed to act. Now, I've seen some soccer games on television. And let me tell you, some of those team people in Central America, they go nuts over soccer, right? And so I'm sitting there and I'm watching this and, and one of our young ladies, one of our East Brainerd kiddos scores a goal. And so I'm like, woohoo! And nobody else is clapping. Nobody. And in fact, some people are looking like, who brought that guy, right? Apparently there's like this unspoken spoken, I don't know, indoor soccer rule where it's kind of like, you know, golf claps. You know, when you score and I'm like, this is what's wrong with people today. This is it. She just got a goal and nobody got excited about that. Nobody jumped up and went, woohoo! Now look, I realize not everybody always feels like woohooing, all right? Some days we feel a lot more like Eeyore than we do Tigger. Um, can I just get a, a woohoo about that, right? Yeah. I, I mean, and, and then those of you who are always Tiggers, you really annoy the Eeyores, okay? You really do. And, and the Eeyores in the room, you try to tolerate all the Tiggers the best that you can. Uh, and, but listen, the Tiggers don't understand you Eeyores because they're like, hey, why aren't you feeling good today? Today's a great day. The sun came up. Aren't you glad the sun came up? Hey, guess what? I went to Starbucks. Did you go to Starbucks? Do you like coffee? I love coffee. What do you like to do after, after school? I love to go out and I love to play and I love to dance and I love to... Why aren't you smiling? We don't... Tiggers just don't understand all the Eeyores that just say, I think I would just like to go off by myself. For a long time. Right? Look, we don't always feel like woohooing. Some days are more Eeyore than Tigger. But it's on those days that I think I need to be reminded that I am showered with God's grace. First Peter chapter 1. 
He says in verse 3, Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Woohoo! Right? He says, though you have not seen him, verse 8, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now here's a good question we need to ask as we read this. Who in the world is Peter talking to that he is able to say, look, you are filled with this joy that's just bursting within you. And he talks about it actually in verse 1. Right there at the beginning of the letter that he's writing. He says this. To God's chosen people. Who are away from their homes. And scattered all around the countries of Pontus and Galatia. And Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia. Peter was speaking to persecuted Christians these persecuted Christians, people who have been driven from their cities, people who had lost their homes, people who have been separated from their families, their rights had been taken away, their property had been taken, their possessions had been taken, their future had been taken. They didn't have a lot of reason to go, woohoo, I believe in Jesus. And yet according to Peter, they still had their joy. Is that, well, how is it? We'll go back again and look at the end of verse 8. He says, look, you believe in him and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy because he says, you're receiving the end result of your faith. You're receiving the salvation of your souls. Friends, the source of their joy was the salvation that they had received through Jesus Christ. That's where joy comes from. If you want to say, wait, hey, where, where, does, where does joy come from? It's not all the things that you think. It's not the things that come to mind right away. It's not whether you got the biggest house or the best car. It's not if everybody likes you. If not, it's not how many likes you're receiving on your page. It's all about the salvation that you have in Jesus Christ. And because no one could take away their salvation, no one could take away their joy. So what about you? What's been taken away from you? Your health? Your house? Anybody in the room this morning buried a dream? Anybody in this room buried a marriage? Buried a friend? As you look at those burial plots of life, is your joy buried there as well? See, if so, you may have substituted courageous joy for contingent joy. Contingent joy is always dependent upon circumstances. Contingent joy says, I'll be happy when. All right, I'm going to be happy when or I'll be happy if. I'll be happy when there's a new house or a new spouse. I'll be happy when I'm healed or when I'm home. Contingent joy is always dependent on the right circumstances. But here's the thing, guys. Since we cannot be in control and since we cannot grasp onto every single thing that happens in our life and make it turn in the direction that we want it to go in, we set ourselves up for disappointment. 
I mean, envision the person who buys into this contingent joy lie. And as a younger person, they just assume that, well, you know what? When they get a car, they'll be happy. Right? Get that license and get freedom. And they get the car, but the car wears out. And so they go looking for joy elsewhere. So they get married. They say, if I get married, I'll be happy. They get married, but then they get disappointed because the spouse cannot deliver. And they go through these series of attempts, one after another. If I get a new job, or, or if I can retire, if we just had a baby. And in each case, joy comes, and then it goes away. It diminishes. And by the time this person reaches old age, she's ridden this roller coaster of hope and disappointment. She becomes sour and fearful. Because contingent joy turns us into wounded people. Because our joy is always dependent upon the next day, the next deal, the next call, whatever happens next. But courageous joy, courageous joy turns us into strong people. Courageous joy sets the hope of the heart on Jesus and Jesus alone. And since no one can take your Jesus, no one can take your joy. Right? I mean, that's an awesome thing. Say that with me. Since no one can take your Jesus, no one can take your joy. Now, don't just say it with me, all right? I want you like to say it. In fact, go ahead. Look at the person next to you and say this right here. Tell them. Go. Hey, think about that. Think about it. Death, failure, betrayal, sickness, disappointment. These things cannot take your joy because these things cannot take your Jesus. Woo! This is good stuff. This is in the Bible. I mean, this is real. And this is what happens when God's grace is poured out. Okay, I'm getting excited. All right. Now, now here's why I'm getting excited though. Listen, listen guys. Like Peter's original audience, I have been filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. All right, I've been filled with that. Now, I want you to look at the, um, the verse here on the screen. Uh, the word there, inexpressible. Uh, the original word that Peter used is a word that talks about that you can't, you can't fully describe what it is that you're trying to describe. It's not that you can't say anything about it. But it's the idea that, you know what, this is so good, but I just can't tell you how good it is. I mean, you've got, you've, you've got to try it. It's kind of like the first time you went to the Cheesecake Factory. Hey, how many of you went and you, you went and said a prayer at the area right before they started building that Cheesecake Factory, right? Some of you did. And you were like, thank you, Lord, for answering my prayer. Because the first time you went to the Cheesecake Factory and you walked in and you saw that counter with all of those cheesecakes there, you had no idea that there was anything else in the restaurant. There was just, it was as if the sky opened up and light shone down. And you heard a voice from heaven saying, eat. Right? And you did. And you continued to. And then you tried to describe it and you put that bite in your mouth and you're like, mmm, mmm. Mm. And the people that are with you say, it's good, huh? Mm, mm, mm. Well, how good is it? 
Mm. Mm. And like, well, well, let me try some. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That's that, that's that inexpressible, glorious joy. You don't know how to put words to it. You can't describe what it is truly that you're feeling. Words do not do it justice. And then you see it says, look, hey, you've been filled with it. Now, some translations put this as not just filled with, but that you rejoice with this inexpressible joy. And here's why it's, it's been translated a couple of different ways. Peter used a word here, the only time it's used in your New Testament. And he uses a word, and I love this. Two words put together. One means much and very, and the other means, get this, jump, leap. And it's a word that means jumping for joy. That's what it is. Jumping for joy. It's in your Bible. It says that, that you, if you have been covered with the grace of God, if you have been showered with God's grace, then you have this inexpressible, glorious joy that you just can't go, woo! Hey, can death take away your joy? No, because Jesus has defeated death. Can, can disappointment take away your joy? No, because Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And you're going, woohoo! And it just keeps getting better. And you start thinking about it. Can sickness take away my joy? No. Why? Because God has promised, I'll either hear, heal you here or I will heal you there. You're like, oh boy, this is getting good. This is getting good because everything that we think steals our joy, we realize that there is an answer to in Jesus Christ. And because no one can take away your Jesus, no one can take away your joy. And the church says with me, Woo! Man! All right. How many of you just want to stand up right now and get Pentecostal? I know. Right? You're feeling it. You're feeling it. Whew. All right. Man. Jesus says to his disciples, there's coming a time when no one will take away your joy. Peter writes to the church and he says, there's something and it's bubbling up inside of you. It, it does. It makes you want to jump. It makes you want to jump for joy. You, you can't describe it. You can't, you can't express it. You can't get it out the way that you want to. And people look at you and think, what in the world is going on? Now understand, this is not to say that your life, that my life is going to be storm free. It's not to say that sorrows are not going to um, come our way. Here's something else Jesus said. He says, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. It's not to say that you will never cross dry lands of sorrow, but it does say that your sorrow will not last Forever, Jesus also said, look, your grief is going to be turned to joy. Your grief is going to be turned to joy. And that courageous joy is quick to become contagious joy. You read about the Christians in the New Testament, and you don't read about people who are baptized in lemon juice. You can't find that. You can't find people in the New Testament who, who went around like, I believe in Jesus. Yep, I do. 
I mean, you, you read through and you find people who put their lives on the line for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You read passages like this, Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 46. It says, they ate together in their homes, happy to share their food with joyful hearts. They praised God and they were actually liked by all the people. You see, the early Christians were joyful Christians. And in fact, you can probably argue and say that, you know, there's no other type. Because in the purest purest sense, the phrase joyful Christian is redundant. We shouldn't need the adjective. I mean, we don't put dead in front of cadaver. We don't put wet in front of water. We don't put good looking in front of preacher. We just know these things. I mean, these things just happen. And we shouldn't have to put joyful in front of Christian, but we do. We do because we tend to major in contingent joy and not in courageous joy. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God can change that. He wants to soak you with a courageous joy that is sure to become a contagious joy. I read this week about a Hindu trader in India who asked a native Christian named Pima, what do you put on your face to make it shine? Pima answered, I don't put anything. I don't put anything on my face. Yes, you do, said the trader. All you Christians do. I've seen it in Agra and in Surat and in Bombay. Pima laughed. His happy face shone as he said, I'll tell you what it is that makes my face shine. It is happiness of heart. Jesus gives me joy. Jesus gives me joy. Jesus gives me joy because Jesus gives me salvation. See, courageous joy only comes from centering my faith on Christ. Salvation by grace is the source of my inner joy. And let me tell you, it's just dying to get out. And so I ask you again, can death take your joy? No. Why? Because Jesus is greater than death. Can failure take your joy? No. Because Jesus is greater than your sin. Can betrayal take your joy? No. Because Jesus will never leave you. Can sickness take your joy? No. Because either here or there, I'm going to be well. Can disappointment take your joy? No. Because even though your plan might not work out, God's plan will. So death and failure and betrayal and sickness and disappointment, they cannot take your joy because they cannot take your Jesus. Woohoo! Man, it's great to be a child of God. It's great to be a follower of Jesus Christ because it comes with courageous joy. Because as I center my faith on Jesus, I'm centering my faith on my very salvation. And because no one can take away my salvation, no one can take away my joy. And it just keeps building. And it just keeps building. And it's dying to get out. So I don't know what it is that you're going to thank God for this week. 
you're going to go off and you're going to sit down to green bean casserole and turkey and dressing. No stuffing, please. This is the South. And you're going to have homemade yeast rolls. And you're going to drink sweet tea. And you're just going to eat way too much. And there's going to come a time where you're going to be there and, and somebody's going to say, Joe, what are you thankful for? And the expectation is going to be that you're going to talk about, well, a football team or you're going to talk about something going on at work or you're going to talk about the family that's there and how glad you are to have them together. I just want you to freak everybody out this Thanksgiving. I want you to freak everybody out. I want you to push away from the Thanksgiving table. And I want you when asked, what are you thankful for? <laughs> you want to know what I'm thankful for? You want to know? You really want to know what I'm thankful for? You can't take away my Jesus. That's what I'm thankful for. And because you can't take away my Jesus, you can't take away my joy. And everybody's going to think, we knew we shouldn't have invited him. I told you. <laughs> we shouldn't have. We shouldn't have let him come. We shouldn't let her be here. But here's the deal, guys. No matter if it's at the Thanksgiving table, no matter if it's at the business table, no matter if it's in your home, no matter if it's at the ball field, nothing that can take place in your life this week, this next month, this next year is going to be able to take your Jesus. And because of that, no one can take your joy. And so you go out and live a life of woohoo! You go ahead. Be that person. Because Jesus was that person. Jesus was the person who said, I want, I want to give them what I have. A relationship with my father that no one can take away. If that's not something to be thankful for, then church, I don't know what is. Father, thank you so much for Jesus Christ for showering your grace upon us through him. For not being willing to leave us to our own devices, allowing us to go our own way and do our own thing. You chased after us, you sought us, you bought us. And Father, we are not perfect. We have never been. And we know we never will be. And we disappoint you and we disappoint ourselves. We disappoint our family. And Father, there's so many things that just steal our joy from our own actions to the actions of others to just the very circumstances of life. But it's my prayer this morning that you would shower us once again. That we might feel your grace upon us. That that inexpressible joy will somehow be able to be seen through our face, through our words, through our actions. Because Father, nothing can take away our Jesus, so nothing can take away our joy. Soak us, and may we live in the wetness of your grace. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.
Anybody need a woohoo this morning? Yeah, go ahead. That's fine. Hey, maybe you want to woohoo while we're singing. We're going to sing encourage one another. Maybe you need to come this morning saying, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Woohoo. And I, I want to be baptized into Christ. I want to be soaked by the very grace of God. I want to give over my life to him. I want to have that kind of joy. Maybe you want to come and let that be known among the people here today. Maybe you just want to come because it's Thanksgiving and say, you know what? Haven't been thankful for the peace. Haven't been thankful for the joy. Haven't been thankful for the soaking that God has given me. And I just want the prayers of the church that I might, I might be more focused in on what it is that God is doing in my life. Whatever your need is, we invite you to come. We invite you to stand. We invite you to sing with joy. Will you join me?